Welcome back to Sanity. I'm Shane Gordon. This is a continuation on our discussion on No One is Born Gay. This is part two. If you missed part one, I'd recommend you go back and listen to it now. I will wait. Okay. Last time we left off with the question, is one type of sexuality morally superior to another? Does it matter if people are homo or heterosexual or any other kind of sexual? To be able to answer this question, we first need to discuss what morality even means. So let's tackle that today. Most of us immediately link religion with morality. We assume that morals come from the belief in some God or higher authority. Let's start simple and let's look at the definition of a moral. A lesson, especially one concerning what is right or prudent, that can be derived from a story, a piece of information, or an experience. So clearly, morals aren't limited to religion. We all have morals by which we live. The difference between someone who finds their morals in religion and someone who defines their morals Uh, on their own is that religious morals never change. Anyone defining their morals based on what they think and how they feel will find their morals in constant flux and heavily influenced by pop culture. Religious morals withstand the test of time. They exist because for thousands of years, they have led to prosperous, just and effective societies in this new age of enlightenment. We like to think that our morals and our ideas are superior to those of past generations. We're quick to throw away the lessons of the past because the past committed horrible atrocities. To be clear, the history of the entire world is indeed littered with violence and evil, but it's also full of accomplishment, love, and wonder. The last 200 years have been especially good for humanity as a whole. More people have been lifted out of poverty by capitalism than has ever happened in all of human history. That is an overwhelmingly good thing for all people. I do understand the urge to disregard the past because of the wrongs they committed. In fact, I used to think that way. But the truth is, we are doing things now And we'll do things in the future that our children and our children's children and their children will will look back on and wonder in amazement how we could have ever been so naive to commit the atrocities we have and will continue to commit. It's also true that morality kind of goes full circle throughout history. We aren't the first generation to embrace open and public sexuality. One of the most famously overtly sexual civilizations was Rome. Their rules around what was and wasn't sexually acceptable were a bit different than ours, but not too far off. For instance, as long as a man was doing the penetrating, it was considered moral, regardless of what he was penetrating. Similarly, if a woman was being penetrated, that's all that mattered the nature of her partner was mostly irrelevant. A person's social standing also played a role in whether the sexual act was or was not moral. 
The idea that we've reached some new form of enlightenment in which we are more accepting of all forms of sexuality than all humans before us is hubris on overdrive. We haven't even reached the depths of what other civilizations found moral and acceptable. Honestly, in many ways, we're simply scratching the surface. When it comes to the Romans, their gods actually promoted sexuality as a form of prosperity for the state. So what is the driving force behind our sexual revolution? The worship of self. There are only two things we are supposed to seek in Western culture. First, success in the form of money, fame, notoriety. And second, sexual pleasure. Both of these are selfish ambitions. Our morality is clearly defined by what is good for each individual, regardless of how others may or may not be affected. I want to quickly pivot to a new topic. We'll come full circle though, so don't worry. In order to avoid talking about religion when discussing the morality of homosexuality, we need to define religion as well. Now, there are a few ways of defining religion. Our government maintains definitions and lists of accepted religions for national security purposes. For instance, we don't want to recognize a group as a religion if we might also see them as a domestic terrorist threat. Imagine what a challenge it would be for a federal government to initiate a campaign against a domestic terrorist group that the government also acknowledges as a religion. Another way our government actually defines religions is with the tax code. For a long time, certain satanic religions weren't recognized as true religions by the IRS. And neither are most cults, even if they see themselves as religions. But what is the actual definition of a religion? Well, religion is defined in a few ways, and we'll take a look at them all. First, the belief in and worship of a superhuman power or powers, especially a god or gods. Second, a particular system of faith and worship. And finally, a pursuit or interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance. The first definition is what we typically think when we think about religion. This type of religion has doctrine, physical places of worship, tradition, etc. The second two are a bit different, though. There are no superhuman powers or gods at play. There is only a system of faith, an ascription of supreme importance to a particular pursuit. In this regard, 2SLGBTQIA plus ideology is, by definition, a religion. By the way, that is the only time I'm going to say the entire LGB acronym. I got called out for it in the comment in a comment for the last video. Ironically, the commenter though only said LGBT. The reason I don't care to say the entire thing is because it's utterly ridiculous. In its current form, it stands for two-spirit, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual, plus any other identity we haven't invented yet or simply isn't important enough to include with the rest, such as pansexual, non-binary, genderqueer, genderfluid, aromantic, polysexual, you get it. 
But back to LGB ideology being a religion. There is a very clear system of faith and worship of LGB ideology. There are clear rules regarding LGB. First, sexuality is the defining characteristic of its members. Sexuality must be praised and asserted in both private and public settings. There is a minimum standard of worship, which includes, but is not limited to, clothing, body art, decorations, accessories, and more. As an example, picture a stereotypical Christian. He or she would have a shirt that says something like, I don't know, Jesus is my life preserver. Will be wearing a cross necklace and cross earrings and probably has Bible verse artwork scattered around the house. Now picture your present day typical LGB individual. He or she has, at a minimum, a pride flag or other pieces of art in the house, of pride art specifically. A shirt that says, I'm here and I'm queer, and rainbows everywhere. Also, the LGB movement has calls to action, such as protests and marches, and the LGB community has places of worship in gay bars, cruises, and the like, where they can come together and celebrate their shared ideology. And there is no doubt that they pursue a system of beliefs to which they ascribe supreme importance. You have those who self-define as being part of the group and others who earn their way into the group, such as those who wave the banner of pride without actually being LGB themselves. Many actively advocate for and minister about their worldviews and beliefs on the public stage. Their hope is to incorporate gayness into every corner of America, and it's working. Just look at the state of our country during Pride Month, which used to be called June, or LGBT History Month, which used to be called October. Incredibly, some of the ministers of the LGBT religion aren't even natural members, but have been recruited into the system of beliefs. Think people like Biden, Harris, Newsom, and Wade. Take a step back and look at what and look at what's happening with the LGBT community. It's indistinguishable from any religion. In fact, they're so successful at discipleship that I imagine traditional religions are taking notes on how to better recruit more followers. So how do we discuss the morality of sexuality without considering religious views when the predominant sexual movement is itself a religion? We can't, but to make it even harder, I'll ignore the morality of just the traditional religions. We'll look simply at worldly morality, that which the LGB religion claims to follow. There's one other topic that we need to discuss before we try to determine the morality of homosexuality, and that's whether or not government should legislate morality. The answer here should be obvious. Yes, government should and must legislate morality. More importantly, though, is where does the government find its morality? Government creates two classes of legislation. The first has to do with things like tax rates, trade law, diplomacy, and the like. These laws are morally neutral. We may try to bring morality into the conversation regarding let's say taxes and diplomacy, but in reality, these laws should be based on logic and reason, not emotion and not morality. 
Then there are the laws that directly define a country's morality. These laws make things like murder and theft illegal. We can apply a form of logic to determine that murder should be illegal, but logic does not always prevail when it comes to these types of laws. There are times when, logically, murdering someone has no negative effect on society. We sometimes attempt to make this argument now even, especially when the victim is some unnamed homeless drug addict. But murder is always wrong, or at least our current laws say it's wrong. In the U.S., it used to be that morality laws were based on Christian beliefs. For the most part, this is still true. However, we are rapidly seeing that change. Christian morality, for instance, wouldn't allow for the killing of unborn children or mutilating the bodies of confused children. So what morality are these laws based on? Well, they're based on morality as defined by a self-serving culture. Let's look at the two examples I just mentioned. Legalized abortion and legalized, quote-unquote, transgender care for minors. The first is based on a selfish desire to avoid the consequences of personal choices and actions. And the second is based on the selfish desire of parents to earn social status and plaudits from their peers for their perceived acceptance of an alternative lifestyle. The major problem with governing based on popular morality is the inevitable decline of said morality. No matter who you are, there's something you view as immoral. Let's go with what should be an easy one, sex with minors. We won't go too deep into this, but it's worth considering just briefly. Sex with minors has been viewed as immoral for a very long time. Now, it is true that when our life expectancy was barely 30 years, people were having sex and babies and forming families in their early teens. But the reason for that is completely different. Throughout all of culture, when lifespans were longer, sex with minors has been viewed as immoral. However, large swaths of our society are actively fighting to allow the books Genderqueer and This Book is Gay to be taught in elementary schools. Both books openly discuss gay sex techniques. But that isn't stopping millions of Americans from fighting to have kids as young as five read these books. Rewind a decade, and I bet the majority of the proponents of these books would have said the content was disgusting. But their morality is based on nothing, it has been heavily, heavily influenced by popular opinion, and it has become more accepting of once unconscionable ideology. That should be disturbing. But remember, at one point, it was only a tiny minority arguing to legalize gay marriage. Now gay marriage seems normal and obvious. And now the tiny minority is arguing to sexualize our children. Defining morals by who has the loudest megaphone in society is a very dangerous and slippery slope. I know we're all tired of hearing that, but it's true. So how do we stop adults from having sex with minors? Our government makes it illegal. That means our government must define 
and legislate morality. And this morality should be based on what's best for citizens and the country as a whole. We have never, and we never will, live in a country in which each person can define their own moral laws. We are all subject to the laws of the country we live in. Morality exists with or without religious influence. We all live a life based on a set of morals. Some of us find those morals in religion, and some of us find those morals in whatever is popular at the time. Regardless of where our morals come from, we are obliged to follow the laws of the land, which hopefully define morality that leads us to a brighter future. And like it or not, the current LGB movement is indistinguishable from any other religion. The movement is a religion with a defined doctrine, a leadership structure, places of worship, idols, and everything else that comes with religion. We're going to jump into one Am I the A-hole today? But first, make sure to smash that like button on YouTube, subscribe or follow wherever you're at so you don't miss Monday's episode. Now that we've taken a look at what morality is, we're going to dive into whether or not homosexuality excuse me, is morally equivalent to heterosexuality, again, without considering traditional religious values. Now let's jump over to Reddit. Okay, today's Am I the A-Hole? Am I the A-Hole for saying I'll be driving myself and paying for my own room on the upcoming family vacation so I won't have to be a babysitter? This one's a little bit longer. I'm actually going to read the whole thing because as we go through this, it's, it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster. I, 23 male, was repeatedly, repeatedly stuck playing the part of helper and babysitter on family outings. I had to move out of my parents' house because I kept being forced to help watch my three nephews. Last year, we took a family vacation in summer to the coast. I rode along with my parents, and they paid for my hotel room. Only, I had to share that room with three rowdy boys because my sister and her husband wanted a room to themselves. Just so you know, you're going to be wondering how old his sister is throughout this. He never says. I was promised time to do my own things on the vacation, but instead I ended up having to help with the kids. I complained to everyone about it and was reminded I was there for free. And then we pretty much just did only one thing I wanted to do, which was tour an art gallery. I like doing this whenever I'm at the coast, but the kids find it boring. This year, my parents have a beach trip planned for June, and they assumed I'd be riding along the same way as last year, but I refused. I said I'd be driving myself and paying for my own hotel stay to have my own room. My parents were shocked and tried to remind me of the cost. I said it was no worry. I got a good, I've got a good job and a decent running car. I can more than afford it. That's when, that's when the butts started. I stated the previously listed things as why I'll be driving myself and paying for myself. I want to be able to enjoy this vacation as an adult and not be treated like a child like last year. My parents told my sister and she called to blow up at me that I'll be ruining the vacation if I'm off doing my own things while she has to wrangle her three boys. I ended up yelling at her that last year, all she did was wrote me into her mess. 
I didn't really get to do much of anything I wanted to do. And I was treated like the bad guy for wanting to just go to an art gallery. I'm a grown man. I deserve my own vacation too. Now my sister is not speaking to me and my parents are still trying to convince me to just ride with them to keep the peace. I'm still refusing. But the pressure is getting to me. Am I the a-hole for not giving in? I know they'll have a petty or a pretty hard time when they won't have another person there to help. Edit. It's barely been an hour since I posted, but my sister is apparently a Reddit lurker in the mornings and she saw my post. Not only is she furious with me, but she's also upset no one in the comments is siding with her. To make it short, she went on a big rant about how it's so hard to be a parent to triplets. We also don't know how old the kids are. And the least I could do is help because I'm young and single and she needs a break. I stood my ground on my decision and now she's calling our parents to get them involved. I'm expecting a call from that them any minute. And that's the end of the update. Oh my gosh, this one's crazy, right? Okay, so first of all, it's it's very interesting that in in America today, I'm assuming this is America, just based on the way this person writes and, and uses English. So 23 male had to move out of the house because he's not treated like an adult. When I was growing up, keep in mind, I am a millennial. I'm not that old. But jump back a decade, not even two full decades, and a 23-year-old would have been super eager to get out of the house, not simply moving out because they didn't want to do chores. It's just crazy to me that this guy's like, I'm 23 and I had to move out of the house because I was expected to help with my nephews. That's just, that's just weird. Then he's, he's not only got to ride for free to this vacation, got a free hotel room and presumably everything else was paid for. Like he literally got a free vacation and he's whining about it because it didn't go the way he wanted. Well, that's the nature of a family vacation. Now I do understand if, nothing you did was what you wanted to do and everything was your sister and her husband and her kids. Like I get that, but I also find it weird that like you're an adult. Like why do you do everything your parents and sister want to do? Couldn't you go on the same vacation and just not hang out with them all the time? Like why couldn't you go to this, uh, this art gallery without everyone else? Even if you don't have a car there, it's 2023, dang it. Uber, Lyft, taxis still exist. There's just so many reasons like this guy, I just don't understand what's even happening here. So that's one aspect that just I find really confusing. Now let's talk about this sister. Triplets, yeah. That's tough. But why are you expecting your brother who is like, I don't know, 22, 23 now, I, I, why are you expecting your brother to be a babysitter on vacation? Like it, it's crazy to me that the triplets aren't sleeping in your room. Like why, why does your brother have to be responsible for your children? And why do both, why do the parents of this 
gentleman and his sister feel that the brother should be responsible for the children. I mean, that is pretty jacked up. Whether they're paying for him to get there or not, like they're not his kids. Why is he babysitting all the time? If this needs to be a break for mom and dad of triplets, they should go on a vacation and it should be explicitly said that he's watching the kids so they can go on a vacation and he either agrees to it or not. And if not, they find someone else to watch the kids. And then to go off on your brother because you need a vacation. I mean, I know your brother's life is probably a lot easier than yours, like just objectively because he doesn't have triplets, but he also didn't choose to have kids. You probably didn't choose to have triplets. I get that, but I don't know. This, this sounds to me like an entire privileged family. Everyone just wants their own thing and doesn't really care about anyone else. I mean, if I were in this situation, it'd be like, I don't know. Look, I'm 23 years old. There's things I want to do. I will come with you. I'll watch the kids sometimes, but I'm going to disappear and do my own thing. And either that's acceptable or it's not. And if it's not acceptable, I don't even know why you're going at all. Just go on your own vacation. As you mentioned, you're 23. Why would you even go? If you want a different vacation, go on a different vacation. I don't know. I I don't know. This one's weird. Let me know what the heck you think of this situation. Like if you were the parent of this 23 year old. Oh, I guess I could look at it from that view too. Because we do have a. Oh my gosh. How old is she? She is turning 27 this year. Oh, 27 year old with a child of her own. Um, how am I a millennial with a millennial daughter? I'll let you figure that out. If you've watched other episodes, you'll know if I, if my 27 year old was like, no, I'm driving myself. I'm going to pay for my hotel room so I could do my own thing. Okay, cool. Great. If my 27 year old daughter came to me and said, I would like to not babysit all the time. Okay, cool. But if my 27 year old daughter just complained about everything and was like, I don't get the vacation I want after I'd paid for everything. I'd be like, you're a little entitled right now. Lose the attitude. If, if you want to pay for it, that's fine. And then you can do whatever you want. But if you expect us to pay for it, like we have to agree on what we're doing. But unlike the parents of this story, I would take into account what my daughter wanted to do. Anyway, let me know how you would react if you were in each one of these person's shoes, because this is just, this just sounds like a hot mess to me. Anyway, that is all for today. It's getting hot. You probably see me sweating. I'm in a shed that has no AC. All the windows are closed. Oh my gosh. I could just use a fan. Maybe here I am complaining. No more complaining. We're done for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you on Monday on Sanity.